when we have an understanding of how a child is able to learn, that is when we can explore the different sorts of resources that can be put into place to allow your child to be successful. At a school like Crestwood School, all children who come to Crestwood School are cognitively able. Some children need additional support and they are placed in the Roots program, which is a transition program for children who we know are going to transition into the typical sort of classroom. Exactly. One of the things, and not to interject, but one of the things is like when you were saying the developmental pediatrician, you know, with Isla, I never went that route. I knew that there was a learning disability. We went straight. We did psychoed. Um, and we went through that process. So right. and I know a lot of schools want grade two. We did it a little bit earlier because it's mm-hmm. a little more severe. So in that situation, do the, does every kid need to see a developmental ped? Or, or if you know that it's more of a learning disability or ADD, do you start with that? You, so as you say, your spotty sense was it was a learning difference and you right. went for a psychoed. Right. And absolutely. Absolutely. What I'm dealing with a a general, so let's, we can talk about my kid, where I knew from the time he was 14, 15 months old, I knew that he was autistic. This is my area. I lived in South Africa. My family was telling me this, you know, too much, nothing wrong, nothing. But I knew that there was something. And I knew I had to start with a developmental pediatrician because when children are younger, and we'll talk a little about the age for assessments, a developmental pediatrician is able to identify milestones which allow for an accurate assessment very often before a psycho-ed assessment can be delivered. So if, if you are concerned that your child isn't, isn't, isn't acquiring reading as their friends are, or you're seeing that your child seems to forget, or they're losing things, or you spent yesterday doing math, and at the end, they had all their facts. Today, they don't seem to have them. You know then that there is some sort of brain wiring in terms of the way that they are learning, but you go to a developmental, you go to a psychologist who would then be able to assess, yes, your child indeed has these difficulties with memory or processing and this is what we can do. If, if it is, if the situation is more profound Mm -hmm. and you can see my child has more communication difficulties than other children do. I'm noticing that sometimes when my kid is playing, 
other children are interacting, but my child is parallel playing, and you can see that that is a little remiss. Right. That would be when I would recommend going, if you haven't started a journey yet, start it with a developmental pediatrician who will then be able to refer you to educational psychologists who then also have different areas of expertise. Right. And okay. you with ADD and with right. the other stuff and helping to point that out. Because one of the things with ADD that I want to say to the parents is when they were looking at my daughter, for instance, I said, well, she's not hyperactive, but although she does flip all the time. Um, she's a gymnast. Uh, and a <laughs> She, she wasn't hyperactive, but she hyper-focuses, right? So that is a differentiation, and I do that as well, and I mm-hmm. think that that was a form of ADD, but I will sit down, and I'm in my zone of genius, I call it, and, yes. I, and I just focus. My other daughter does that too, so that's also a form. But you could see social anxieties, and you could see all this other stuff, sensory issues, OT issues. Right. I mean, it, there's a bunch of different things and even, you know, like I said, gross motor or OT, that might even happen when they're younger, right? Absolutely. Seven years old or something. Absolutely. And the thing with ADHD, with AD, well, it's now called ADHD, although there are so many people who don't have the hyperactivity right. portion of it. But AD, ADD also presents in so many different formats and is so often misdiagnosed even you know even sometimes with teachers we would see a kid and they would say this kid I'm telling you joy look this child has a every every flag is the exact same but they don't have ADHD they have an anxiety disorder that has very very similar flags So that's why it's extremely important to get a professional diagnosis so that you can actually address what the difficulty is. There are are so many challenges. Because Isla was getting anxiety from the learning issues. We tried medicine and she didn't need it. And even with kids, and that's the important, I have to stress, and not everyone's going to have the money to put their kids in private school, but that is why it's very important to have your kid in the right environment and to have your kid in the right school and to deal with their anxiety because when your kid is having anxiety, it loops and then you have anxiety as the mother and then it goes back to the child and then it spirals out of control. And especially with COVID, um, you know, the kid's anxiety levels and what you're dealing with and, you know, all the stuff that you implemented. I know you're going international with your program right now with mindfulness and meditation and I'm a mindset coach, so that's really important for adults and for children. Um, but, and it, I wouldn't have been able to get through COVID without it. Let's, right. you know, but that is, there are so many things, you know, your kid could, let's say, have a sensory issue and they're not autistic or, of course, right? So there's Absolutely. a lot of where, like parents will say, oh, well, my kid's so sensitive or they don't like the touch of this or they don't like the feeling of this or they don't like loud sounds. I have that with my other daughter doesn't mean there is on spectrum, right? So don't don't get out of control either, parents, and get ahead of yourself, mom. 100%. 
Right. But and it's and checked and to know what you're dealing with. One absolutely, and that is why it is so important that you connect with somebody who is able to support you the way that you as a parent need support. Okay, I inherently am an extremely neurotic warrior kind of person. That is who I am by nature. So the person who I may jive with is not necessarily someone who my husband, who is so logical and calm, would. But once you have your person, that is when you can start to navigate. And there are, and, and actually, Nicole, I have to say such a huge thank you to you because somebody like Joanne Weltman, who has smile therapy, has unbelievably, Joanne Weltman touched my personal life in the most profound way with my own child when she was born with a tethered spine 21 years ago. And somebody like Joanne, who has an unbelievable center, would be a reach out person too if you have concerns with your child because she. Her agency has the expertise that another sort of special educator would not have. There are so many different areas. So there are not... Joanne's partner, um, Callie Jacobs, she is an OT that is fabulous as well, but their center has helped me. Joanne spent over an hour with me on the phone, as well as you, Joy, dealing with my own personal issues with my kids. And this is the support network that you need, moms. And this is why I'm doing this, because I didn't know which way to turn. And I have all these resources, and I'm the owner of Pink and Blue, and I know all these people in Toronto, and I'm well-connected, but it's a very lonely place to be. And unless you have the people that really know what they're talking about to support you and guide you in the right direction, um, and that's why I'm here today, right? So I'm so thankful for you and for... You well, know, Nicole, really, honestly, if you have people who follow up after, because we, there's so many different things to touch, right. people who would like to talk more on things that are my area of expertise, I would be honored to come back because, honestly, as a parent who has felt the loneliness that you spoke about, I, I, it, it breaks my heart that there are parents who love their children, yet at this time, financially, are not able to access support, which is expensive. You know, I know. <laughs> I know what therapy costs. We're, we're, you know, Holland Blurview is a place that you could go to sick kids. The longer that you might be a longer wait in, in the um, public school system, they will pay for a psycho ed. Um, the Jewish day schools, I know they pay for half of the psycho ed. Mm -hmm. um, 
it doesn't need to all be out of pocket. It will take longer. Um, but some of the things, you know, the school will provide, I think it's three or four OT sessions. Well, depending on, so in terms of what Lynn offers, yeah. which was formerly the CCAC, yeah. um, they, at this time, they will do an assessment. And then, as you say, Nick, generally they would provide you with four occupational therapy sessions. However, things are constantly changing with yeah. Lynn. They're back and forth. I haven't been involved with them since I'm no longer at school. Right. But the occupational therapists do have the opportunity to reapply for further sessions, which you could get. Parents, you have to nag them. It works. Yeah, I Pressure. The squeaky... squeaky uh... What you have to be a squeaky meal. You have to be a squeaky meal. And even in yes. the public school system, I had to push and push and push. Um, the principal probably hated me. But it, even even she said herself, you have to be that parent. and you 100%. For your kid. And you have to be on the phone. And you have to network. And you have to get the support and the help that you need um, for your kid. Because otherwise, they're just not going to get it. And you don't want them to sink. And the number one thing that was always the most important for me is our confidence. 100%. And I think also what you said earlier is the fact that you as a human being exercise mindfulness and self-care, you are able to offer that to your kid who is struggling and we as parents, so often when we are in a bad place because we are so worried about our little mamalas, we project our anxiety onto our kid. And honestly, I, I see constantly, I see with one of my own children who has inherited my anxiety. Children really get anxious from their parents and it's the last thing we want. You know what, yesterday there was a kid in my daughter's class that had COVID. Um, we had to pick up the kids. We had all get tested yesterday. I, I'm a workhorse. Anyone that knows me, I'm on it, I'm working. Um, I do business coaching and mindset coaching. I'm running pink and blue. I took the day off. It was too much to do. I took my kids for a bike ride. I took my kids for a walk. I meditated last night. I meditated this morning. I was fresh today. I blew out my hair. I took a shower. I got ready. And you know what? And I'll work the rest of the day and I'll get my work done. It's priority. So that I'm there and present. My kids are on online school. I'm upstairs doing a live and I'm calm and collected. Exactly. If I do those things, I wouldn't be. So, you know, a lot of people, and I, and I hate saying it, and I've said it before on lives, you know, and there's nothing wrong, and I'm not judging anyone. Everyone's getting through COVID the way that they need to. But coping with drinking or smoking or doing these things is not a healthy way to, you're doing a Band-Aid approach. Of course. To, to handling stress. And that's because a lot of us haven't had the coping mechanisms. And so our kids aren't, don't, aren't having the coping mechanisms. Right. I mean, I could see in terms of knowing 
even with Little Isla, when I was delivering programming and teaching children about self-awareness and being mindful and extending gratitude, children who are brought up with that mindset have an unbelievable life skill. And, you know, as you say, there are, I, I, I mean, I am... I'm one of those bohemian cuckoos and I go completely like people have often told me, stop, stop with your BS. But when, when you are able to regulate yourself as a mommy or a daddy, you are able to help those around you. Yeah. And it's and 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 that's why I love what you do Nicole because everybody needs to be taught and having a coach who is going to teach you these skills, teach you basic daily practice to make yourself into a more successful human being is probably the most liberating and beautiful gift you can give to yourself. Yeah, I mean, listen, my, my neurologist, I get migraines, was telling me, I'll never forget this, she gave me a pamphlet on uh, mindfulness, and I looked at her, and I was like, okay, lady, and I threw it in the garbage on the way out. I thought she was crazy. <laughs> now I'm a mindset coach, and I, you know, I'm certified in NLP and EFT, and it's changed my life, right? Right, because so, you have a growth mindset. You were closed. You right. opened. And you don't understand what it is when people are like, oh, mindset, mindful, you know, meditation isn't for me. What am I going to just sit there and go like this? That's not what it's about, right? Exactly, so exactly. So different meditations out there and there's calming ones and things for different needs. Right. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I love the, uh, my favorite app is um, Insight Timer. Mine too. There's a lot of uh, apps out there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just exactly what you said. It's about taking care of yourself first so that you could be there for your kids. Cause when you're dealing with an atypical child, the emotions are deep. Um, and it is very hard to deal with. And if you're not able to cope, then your kid is not going to cope. That's absolutely. And anything that happens in our lives where we are in a place where we are dysregulated because anything stressful, even in the supermarket or learning that your child has an LD, we go into fight or flight. That is just how we are wired. And moms and, and moms have adrenal fatigue, um, especially after having children. Um, mm -hmm. Self-suffering from autoimmune diseases, I've learned that too well. Um, and that's why yoga is so important as well. Mm -hmm. Um, to help and, and vitamins and all of that. So, I mean, there's so many things, you know, that you could talk about and you could get into, but it really, um, it's imperative that you, that you deal with things and that you, you know, a lot of parents aren't ready to hear and they aren't open to hearing that their child. Absolutely. Is, um, men cope very differently than women. <sighs> Um, I won't get into that, but, um, my experience, men don't cope, right? Men don't cope. Um, and they do it in a different, they process in a different way, but all of this needs to be processed, um, yourself as a mom, if you need help dealing with it, but you need to be ready to listen to the school, to your intuition, 
to the doctors and, you know, be able to get the help for your kid. I mean, even with OT, I mean, Joy, before we go, and I know we've Mm -hmm. been on already for half an hour, but just quickly, I just want to get into OT. So when, when does a kid really need OT help because a lot of times I know that they stress they don't hold a pencil right and they don't do this and they don't have okay. a phone and so why is it so important to, to for OT and like what are the ages of development or or things okay. to look for like you are saying okay so right from the time they are teeny weeny little Pitchers. newborns with <laughs> chicken legs that actually is when OTs can be called upon to help your child. And I would say, and this is absolutely, I'm talking from my personal experience as a parent, I would say that the first recognition that you need an occupational therapist is when you realize that there is something off maybe with your child's tone. Okay. So my child was extremely hypertonic. He was floppy. He was low tone. That was a flag for me that I would need to have an occupational therapist working with my child to improve his gross motor strength. Okay. Now, sometimes what happens is when parents may not, you know, not everybody sees things and very, very often by the time you have your third child and, and they, they are still in diapers when they're six, you realize, oh my gosh, never parent that one. But with the first one, you usually notice, you get all these things going and you address the things with, as I say, the low tone. Now, if, if a child has a lower tone and it's not worked on before they get to school, sometimes what happens is when you get to school, the teachers say, oh, your child's not, they're, they're, they're not able to sit at the desk for a long time or there's something with their pencil grip or their sensory And that is when the occupational therapist comes in and the occupational therapist works with maybe vestibular imbalance or different sorts of things which develop because one of the primal, I can't think what the word is now that the OTs use, um, um, like, you know, when you, the primitive reflex, one of the primitive reflexes may still not be sorted out. And an occupational therapist would do that. And then your child, you just, your child would start being able to cross the midline. You know, sometimes what teachers see is they'll, they'll call a parent and they'll say, your child's not able to cross the midline. What's happening is you've got your little one in, in JK and they're drawing very happily and you've seen so often. They draw and then they take the pencil and then they continue drawing and that's, oh, they can't cross the midline. They, 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 haven't, they haven't deciphered, you know, whether they're left or right-handed. Oh, you need an OT. These are the kind of things that OTs work on. When your child is a little 
older, like maybe grade one, grade two, and the teacher says they're concerned about a grip, there may also be a need for occupational therapy because of the neuroplasticity, the brain being able to give the hand, give the, the, the body that the message that they need in order to be able to write, which is why teaching children cursive, although it can be a nightmare, develops neuroplasticity. That is why in schools like Cresford School, children in the primary division do handwriting practice. So an occupational therapist very often will do treatment which can speed up your child developing those skills. But sometimes they go through school, they, they, they may have had these difficulties, but they overcome them because of what our brains can do. When, when I first started teaching 36 years ago, there were things like people who were audiologists and executive function coaches and speech language paths who did expressive language. That wasn't even something that had evolved yet. I, I remember taking my son when he was six years old to go and see a vision therapist who actually later came back to Canada and we renewed our contact. But he was the first person who I'd never even heard about vision therapy and what that could do. So there were so many services that are available and quite honestly, There are a lot of them, unfortunately, like everything, where you'll reach out to someone. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who feed off vulnerable parents. I I was involved in some of those therapies when you'll just do anything. So I am a huge proponent for that, but I also always... I'm very, very, very clear with parents to be extremely cautious about over-therapizing their child because for them, they are not yet able to come to terms with where their child is now. They, they want their kid to catch up and it's it's difficult you know sometimes children will come to Crestwood Roots program we say your child is going to be in this program for two years and parents are very very anxious because it's a litmus scale for them they they have difficulty with with appreciating that this is what their child needs now because they don't want their child to have to need that right It all comes from a place of love. But at the end of the day, you know, and I've been there, it's really recognizing it's letting down what you had in your head and what you think your kid or what you want for them. And sometimes just being able to let it go and accepting that this is who your kid is and this is where they're at. And that is hard 
for parents with kids with learning disability. I mean, I I was left back in kindergarten. I was told, my, you know, that I was never going to be able to go to university, and I pushed through it, and I went, and I got into law school and got my MBA. But it was difficult. It was difficult. Yes. It was always difficult, and so absolutely. But but I had to learn to cope. But it's as a mother, you have. It's hard to see your kid go through the same struggle. Of course. To accept it and you know sometimes it is the mom that's putting your kid in spirit of mouth and putting your kid in 10 different things because you want them to be ahead you know so you're gonna have that too I have two nieces that are um, gifted so mm-hmm. on the other side as well um, absolutely so it goes both ways but at the end of the day as moms we're all doing the best that we can and you can't judge yourself going back to what you said in the beginning yeah. And you have to do it. You have to do your homework and go with your gut. Um, and you know, if you need a second opinion, get a second opinion. Absolutely. Right? But and you know what? And that is so important, Nick, because I think that you find yourself in this position. Okay. And if you're someone like me, well, you are someone like me. We have huge resources. We know a lot of people. And what happens is you get to the place and you start reaching out to people you know who are in the know. And those people who are in the know are coming back to you with polarized opinions. And then you start to spiral. So I I think that you need to do your research. In the same way as when you were becoming a mum, you chose to go and interview different OBGYNs to see who spoke your language. And when you go to a school, you go and look at different schools. When you are looking for someone who's going to be your partner, who is going to be the head of that village that it takes to raise a child, you need to have a connection. Yeah. And once you find that, you're good. I mean, you're good. at the end of the day, mom's like, I have lists, um, you know, there's Ruth Rumack, there's Reading Foundation um, to help with learning disabilities and with tutoring. There is um, iStands, there is Surrey's Place, there is Holland Blurview. Just to name a few places. There's absolutely, um, and the car- like carries, and and there's also there is um, a company called Kids Collaborative, okay, which actually is run by one of my my mem- uh, one of a person who was part of my team at Christchurch School who had had babies and then started her own. She both she and her partner are special education qualified teachers, and they have a company as well where. They speak to parents and set up little groups. Um, They have pods now over COVID. And these, these are, there are so many people. There are unbelievable other tutoring groups like Ruth Rumack, who does, I just can't think off the top of my head, but for, for, for vision therapy, um, I'm seeing um, a great doctor at Eyes on Shepherd. Um, there is, like we said, smile therapy for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Hallie and um, Joanne Waltman. Yes. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, there's tons. If you guys need resources and reach out to me or Joy, or I'll pass it on to Joy. Mm -hmm. um, there are two questions that people uh, commented on. One okay. person said, during lockdown, I've been facing anxiety myself, pacing back and forth with the baby in my hands, nearly panicking. What I, can I do at the time when I get such an attack? You need to know you are so normal. There is not a human being, including the Dalai Lama, <laughs> who doesn't experience this. So no, you are not alone. There are, there are several things that you can do. And as I said earlier to Nicole, honestly, one of the, the biggest gifts you can give yourself is sign up with a coach who's going to help you to know how to use your resources. And that's a process that's that's something that that you may go through a community for a few weeks and learn things but i can tell you within two or three weeks of being part of a program you are going to have so many resources now my my suggestion for this mum who yeah. is woozy woozy yeah. i want to tell you what i use for me when I have a panic attack. Our brains are structured, our brains don't, we don't, not, not because, oh, I must remember to breathe, I must remember for my, my lungs to go. We have systems that work all the time. When we get into fight or flight, the thing to do is to literally lift your arms up, do two, four breathing, two in, four out anything that is irregular do it three or four times like honestly if you just go now see how it's it literally starts to allow you to regulate when people say to you just breathe when you're in a panic attack you can't but if you can get yourself to do that cucumanga breathing, that will bring you down. I'm an expert panic attack person. In my olden days, I used to even go to hospital sometimes with panic attacks. And I'm telling you, that is absolutely something that works. And the Breathe. other thing, you know, being a mindset coach and NLP, there's something that we do that's called pattern interrupt. So we want to interrupt the pattern and I'm happy to work with you, Katie, um, as well, or to talk to you, but it's, you know, you want to interrupt and you want to snap out of it. So sometimes, and it depends on what is um, causing your source of anxiety, um, mm -hmm. but sometimes you want to leave the environment you're in. So sometimes shifting from one room to another room, going outside for a walk, taking yourself out of the environment will change your mindset um, and help you to get out of it as well. So, I mean, it's very different when you're having a panic attack than just anxiety, but that's mm -hmm. something that I know that it's, it's Yeah, um, moving, moving, moving. I agree with you, that is. Somebody else said, um, it's so impossible to give them the attention they need all at once. 
watching my two older kids, it's the same lady, watching my two older kids diagnosed with learning disabilities and social anxiety, struggling, but yet I have to be there for a toddler and a baby. So, you know, that's, that's the struggle, is. right? That's the struggle for moms with kids at home, dealing with um, a family that you have to take care of. Okay, so I'll give you a couple of tips that I think you can use. Daily check-ins are extremely important with kids. So when they're little, like you're talking about your groups, you can figure out some level of understanding with your own children that you can use. So say, for example, what I used to do with my kids was always, are you this or are you this? So if we were going on long rides and are we there yet? We would use that analogy. They always knew that this was far, this was close. So it's so difficult when you have different children with different needs in your home and you are a human yourself and sometimes you lose it and you feel bad afterwards because you weren't able to expend that energy with the child. But as a mature mother, who's please God going to be a grandmother in my future soon, I know that sometimes, even though a situation with your child is horrible, that situation, that adversity that the child felt is a life lesson. So if sometimes you are not able to always be there, most of the time you are. So focus on that. And what you can do is, what we would do is we like for our, our daily check-in, I would say to them, like, do you feel, and maybe I would have a fight or lose it or shout or I'm human and very, very crazy, which is why my name's Badler. But after I would always, like later in the day, we would have a reconnection or at nighttime, you'd always at bath time, I would say, how do you feel connected with mommy and the siblings? Like, do you feel we've got this connection? Do you feel that connection? And your child will be able to tell you how connected they are feeling. And you are going to see that more often than not, although you feel you are not there for everyone, you really are. The other thing is, if your child doesn't feel connected, and you're going to find sometimes they do. Like, I mean, I would, I would have days of non-connection where my child would, would not be wanting to have anything to do with me because I had said, sorry, we don't have devices in our house and I don't care if you're the only child in the Northern Hemisphere who doesn't have a DS. Sucks to be you. But what we would always do is we always in our house fueled on love. So even if my child was completely pissed off with me, we always hug, we, we always connect, we have a lot of physical interaction. And that is showing children physically that you are there for your kid. So I, hope that, I hope that that can help. And if this mom wants to reach out to me, I've got, I've, there actually are some things on my Instagram account where I've, I've, I've spoken about suggestions for this. But really, mom? I want you to know that all of us, 
feel overwhelmed. When we feel overwhelmed, we feel that we are unworthy and you are not. You are extremely worthy. You are doing the best that you can and your kids know it. That narrative in your head is your own narrative. And, and Joy, so where can people follow you on Instagram? It's Mrs. Biss is watching. It's at, it's actually, it's at yes. Mrs. B yes. is watching me. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, okay. I don't know, some nine, ten years ago, some parents reached out to me that their kid, who is now 14, really wanted to go on Instagram and what did I think? And I said, your kid needs to learn how to be on Instagram. And I said, when I, my children, I was very, very strict with my children with social media, but also my oldest is 30. So, you know, when Facebook came on and they said no one under the age of 16, it was a very different scenario. But a lot of children now in elementary school, some even as young as grade one, have Instagram accounts. So I said to this mom, you need to do it. And you need to follow him. And he said, there's no way in this world that you're following me on Instagram. But if Mrs. Badler does, I'll let her. So I said, okay, I'm starting Instagram. And I am reminding you, Mrs. B is watching me. And that is actually how. Started. It's so a handle started. Yes. Everybody, it's... everybody loves Joy. Um, <laughs> you have such a magnetic energy and such a light. Thank you so much for being here today. My daughter was so excited when I was doing this with you today to run in the room and say hi to you. Um, and I love seeing her. Thank you. You know, I have these pumpkins. And uh, thank you so, so, so much from the bottom of my heart for everything that you've done for me, for the school, um, for the community at large internationally what you're doing and putting in place in the schools, and um, for being here today because it's uh it's truly a ripple effect uh and it is it, this is the change that the that the world needs and it, the support that moms need and women internationally right well nicole you know what i'm spreading gratitude to all the moms in the world for someone like you who has created this which is just wow and if you need me thank you buzz right in we'll definitely do this again i'm sure that um we're gonna get a lot of response from it and i will share it to the pink and blue facebook page and i will be putting it up um the whole thing didn't record so hopefully i could download it from facebook but um we will i'll be putting up the podcast even if it's not the full thing just because this is such a great talk so whatever i did get to record is still amazing and i got most of it so thank you trust in the divine detour it's technology joy of technology yes so much i know that we went over today but um you have so much to share so thank you it was really such an honor thank you very very much and looking forward to next time thank you Have a good weekend, everybody. We're almost there.